but you definitely get the more dad parent type material in of course bill burr fashion where he weaves in his rage and anger issues and trying to balance that with checking yourself and not trying to project that onto your kids as i can definitely relate to and i'm sure many of you can as well break that cycle folks if not you then who What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the only podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. In this episode, I speak about watching Bill Burr's latest comedy special, Live at Red Rocks. I also speak about watching the movies Fourth of July and A Journal for Jordan. But first, I'm going to share with you a way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast. Your support means a ton. In practical terms, it helps free up my time so that I can do more of what I love, which is podcasting and writing. It helps add to that ever-tilting balance of full-time job, part-time hobby, and as Everlast would say, flip it into a full-time hobby and a part-time job. So here's a way that each and every one of you listening right now can help me do just that by supporting the show. Then we'll jump right into the episode. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find the five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? SpunToday.com forward slash questionnaire. Bill Burr's latest comedy special, Live at Red Rocks dropped fairly recently here in good old 2022 and it was a dope special really funny i really enjoyed it more so than i did his uh, previous one paper tiger which i still really enjoyed but i just didn't think it was as good as walk your way out or i'm sorry you feel that way and not by much still a great special paper tiger was i mean you're always going to get top-notch quality when it comes to bill burr it just wasn't for my preference, his best work to date. And I always feel like rewatching that one because it always gets like really great reviews. And it is, I've heard people say it's his, his best one compared to the previous ones, but you know, as they say, or maybe it's just a time and place thing. Maybe at the time of Paper Tiger, I wasn't like in that, that space in terms of like the, the material connecting with me. Whereas with this latest special, Live at Red Rocks, I feel like definitely, definitely was. It's a like post children bill. I don't think he had kids yet for Paper Tiger. Actually, no, that has to be wrong. Because Paper Tiger came out, what, like two years ago? Maybe three tops. And I think his his oldest kid is four or five, around that age, um, which he referenced in, in this special. 
but you definitely get the more dad parent type material in of course bill burr fashion where he weaves in his rage and anger issues and trying to balance that with checking yourself and not trying to project that onto your kids as i can definitely relate to and i'm sure many of you can as well break that cycle folks if not you then who now the venue where he filled it was dope i've always i've heard the term red rocks but i wasn't familiar and red rock what red rocks is is a amphitheater that's an an open air amphitheater so it's outdoors and it's built into a rock structure in the western united states right by denver colorado hence the name red rocks in reference to the reddish looking mountains that the theater is is built on and it's open there to, it's really cool i would love to see something there one day and denver you know is known for being very left-leaning very liberal and it's always fun it's always fun watching a comic that is witty enough and has the balls to like fuck with a crowd when that crowd is very left or very right like either way is is like equally fun to me because a comic like bill could just like tear them up with sound down the middle logic balanced perspective that just gets like groans and oohs and ahs and shit like that (laughs) so that was definitely fun to see throughout the special but here are some of my favorite lines and jokes although i'm not going to do them justice but spoiler alert just in case you haven't seen the special but i just love the craftsmanship if you will behind how some of these these bits were were written and some stuff was just funny as fuck but without further ado he's speaking about cancel culture again in a very left-leaning denver audience you would think you know being in denver but them being fans of bill probably a little more balanced but he's making a greater point of how you have to judge things that happen within the context of the time that they happen not this like retroactive canceling like bullshit that goes on nowadays when you dig up something from you know decades ago that someone did or said and then hold it against them based on today's standards now there's obviously exceptions to that rule right murder rape you know like serious shit shouldn't have like a statute of limitations you know legally in my opinion although that's not always the case everywhere which just shows how upside down certain rule sets could be legal or otherwise um but also from a a social perspective from this cancel culture perspective shouldn't be the way either in my opinion when it comes to things like an off-color joke or you know something that you know today could be considered a word a taboo word that shouldn't be said but you know 10 years ago it was said you know that wasn't the case 10 years ago basically it's like bizarro world when you try to pull things from the past into the present and say see you did x y and z it's like yeah but that wasn't the law back then or that was the norm back then etc anyway i digress but he brings up the iconic video which if you guys haven't seen i'm gonna uh drop it in to the audio here so you guys can can take a look um can can hear it can listen to it because it's it is fucking wild but um I'll also link to it in the episode notes in, in case you guys want to watch it because <laughs> he does it with, with such a, a straight face. But Bill brings up the iconic Sean Connery video when he's being interviewed on like 2020 or, or like Barbara Walters show, which might be one of the same. I'm not sure. But Sean Connery was 
known for being misogynist and she checks him on it and asks him thinking that she kind of like cornered him into into a corner you know in a interview that's going to be seen by a very wide audience and she says something to the effect of but you think it's okay to to hit a woman you've alluded to that in the past or you you've said it in the past etc something along those lines was her question and expecting him to say you know maybe something a little bit more pc than what he actually said you know maybe something along the lines of no of course not you know we should never resort to that etc blah 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 and this is sean connery and sean connery was fucking sean connery you know like james bond there is sean connery if i'm not mistaken definitely a big time actor already that's why he's on the show and then he just comes back with a straight face and says something along the lines of no you know you speak to to women sternly and sometimes they just want to act up and they merit a slap or a backhand and that's all right <laughs> some some wild shit <laughs> wild shit along those lines but the hilarious thing of it of that situation is him saying that with a straight face even then but in the context of bill's bit he's saying you know back then it was not that it was good or or a positive thing but men hitting women or you know women being housewives and being being abused and tolerating abuse from their husbands because you know the husbands were the breadwinners and women didn't work and they were more just like under their husband's thumb and and stuff like that in like the early 70s was like that statement was more from that time that statement said in 2021 is a fucking wild crazy statement or in 2022 is a wild crazy statement but in the early 1970s it was kind of like yeah, I know two or three broads that come from domestic violence or something like that. You know what I mean? But it's definitely wild. If you guys have not seen that video, definitely search for it again. I'm going to try to link for it and link to it in the episode notes so you guys can check it out. And I'll, if I remember, I'll write myself a note here to, um, to drop it in the audio stream for you guys. Playing golf with, with men than women. Years ago, you did an interview which may come back to haunt you. What, you know what I'm going to say, right? No. Okay. You did an interview in which you said, not the worst thing to slap a woman now and then. As I remember, you said you don't do it with a clenched fist. It's better to do it with an open hand. Mm. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't love that. I haven't changed my opinion. You haven't? No. Not at all. You think it's good to slap a woman? No, I don't think it's good. I you think, think it's bad. It must, I don't think it's that bad. I think that it depends entirely on the circumstances and if it merits it. Yeah. What would merit it? Well, if you have tried everything else, and women are pretty good at this, they, they can't leave it alone. Yeah? They don't they want to have the, the, the last word, and you give them the last, last word, but they're not happy with the last word. They want to say it again and, and get into a really provocative situation. Then I think it's absolutely right. To give her a good slap? Yeah, absolutely. What if she gives you a good slap back? Well, then you get into another area. I mean, uh, then maybe she's getting to like it, and then it becomes something else. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no, no, I, seriously, I think that uh, it's the last resort. He's not going to do it because he wants to do it. Huh? Wait till people see this interview. Are you going to get male? Might get some female. <laughs> I like this bit about feminists and how they blame men for 
women's sports not being as popular as, as men's sports, you know, like women's boxing and the WNBA, etc. And he was saying something along the lines of, instead of blaming men, feminists should be packing out those fucking stadiums and rooting on the women. Because the reason why their sports are not as popular is because they don't draw as much of an audience for whatever reason. But that was a good takeaway. And he kept playing around with this theme of, you know, archetypes of people in the context of their time. He like compared uh, parenting now and like being a dad now and how kids are like, hey, dad, want to play? Hey, dad, let's go ride bikes. Hey, dad, you know, let's go toss the ball, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like back in the 70s and the 80s, it was like, dad's coming. Oh, fuck, it's dad. Run. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it was like you, you were scared and terrified of your father. And then he he ties that those like same concepts of like parenting then versus parenting now and makes fun of himself in how uh, there was this bit where he like painted a perfect picture of him yelling at his phone for, you know, getting frustrated about something, having like a, a short fuse and anger issues and him, you know, if you listen to his podcast or have listened to Burr on other podcasts or have just followed his stand-up career, you know, his, his like anger and, you know, dealing with his anger issues are like a common through line in his life but he talks about how now having kids and especially his, his oldest which again i think is like around four or five years old his daughter he says it helps uh like soften him up and makes him check that behavior when he recognizes it so he's like flipping out on something on the phone and then his kid walks in and was like oh i'm sorry daddy i'm sorry because she she was like freaked out she thought that he was yelling at her and then he got down and apologized and explained to her that it wasn't her and he felt like shit because he he was like, I'm committing the same mistakes that my dad committed. And I thought that was like a dope, vulnerable, teachable moment there, which he segued into how then his wife, noticing that situation, you know, put, pulls him aside. He eventually, when the kid's not around, starts yelling at him <laughs> for him not like controlling his, his like anger issues and stuff like that. And I thought it was, it was hilarious the way that he mimicked her yelling at him and how he was tuning her out and he did so by like moving the mic away from his mouth to like demonstrate it while he just like kept talking like in in her voice and stuff like that but since he was tuning her out it was her voice to him from his perspective was getting fainter and fainter and and, and going further away and i thought that was some pretty cool uh quote-unquote method acting or whatever you would call that then the last piece that I'll share with you guys was his abortion joke, which I thought was classic, 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 classic. And he says something to the effect of how he's pro-choice, but he understands both sides of the argument, especially now being older, getting a bit more conservative as one does with, with age, but still leaning left, but more balanced. And he's like, now I can at least like hear the other side without you know, my complete biases, etc. Like with his biases, you know, blinding him and not even allowing him to hear an opposing opinion on anything, as is the case with, for the most part in, in politics nowadays. But he was like, I'm pro-choice, but I definitely get both sides of the argument. And he gives examples of both sides of the argument that, that are like logical, sound examples of why someone's pro-choice versus why someone's pro-life. And he's like, essentially the, the pro-life argument is that you're killing something within you, whether, whether you want to call it a zygote or reference a certain gestation period or whatever it is. But whatever you're stopping, the process that you're stopping within you, whether it's a cell or a clump of cells, whatever it is, whatever you're stopping, if you didn't stop it, you would have had a baby in nine months. 
So it's not like technically you're killing a baby, but what's going on there? You know what I mean? And that's their, the, like the pro-life claim to fame. And on the pro-choice side, it's, you know, my body, my choice. It's not a life. Because that's essentially what the argument is, right? Like at which point is there a life? When there's a heartbeat, you know, people argue everything from the moment the sperm, some people would argue that the sperm is life. That's why you're not supposed to like jerk off and shit to certain very strict orthodox type beliefs. Some people, it's the moment the sperm cracks the egg. Some people, it's when a zygote forms or after the first trimester, after the second trimester, after you have, there's a spectrum of full grown baby and on the other side of the spectrum, no baby. And you can find arguments for every single day, every single second, every single step in between those two points within a nine month period. And he was saying how the pro-choice stance is that it's not a life yet. So it's my body, my choice, and it's okay to have an abortion. And he was like, although I'm pro-choice, I kind of get the other side's argument on it because he was like, it's like if I if I mix some cake batter and I put it in the oven and then you come and you take it out before the cake is done and you throw it across the room and I'm like, you ruined my birthday cake. And you say, that wasn't a cake. And I'm like, well, it was going to be. <laughs> yes, it was a good one. And that, folks, was my little recap and review of Bill Burr's latest comedy special, Live at Red Rocks, streaming now on Netflix. Check it out. Fourth of July is a film written by Joe List and Louis C.K. and is directed by Louis C.K. You know what I got to go back and watch is Louis C.K.'s two recent specials or not recent one of them it's recent one of them is i think from last year but his two latest specials which i haven't seen but one of them i believe it was sorry or the one after sorry i think the first one was called sorry which was his first one back after being quote-unquote canceled for asking a chick if he could jerk off while she watched allegedly or something along those lines and his first comedy special back from then was sorry and then there was another one and I think it was the most recent one that he won a Grammy for Grammy or Emmy Emmy. I think one of those, which one's for music, a Grammy, Selena, she's here for the Grammys. Yeah. Grammys for music. So an Emmy, he won an Emmy for it. And this is canceled the Louis CK still so ill at his craft that within the very PC bougie establishment culture, the pinnacle of which are these award shows he still won so i definitely want to go back and and watch those and also just on the strength of louis other work like his other specials i've seen were great the show louis was awesome horace and pete which i i want to say i spoke about on the podcast but it's been so long that i don't remember and if i didn't i will in the future because i plan to rewatch it but i always said that horace and pete which was a miniseries that Louis C.K. wrote and I believe directed as well was at least at the time that I saw it I felt this way and you know it's been so long since I've seen it I don't know if it still holds up but what I said is that it's the best thing that I've ever seen whether it be movie tv show short etc it's the best thing that I've ever seen the best piece of work that I've ever seen so if I didn't give my little recap and review and breakdown 
hear the podcast when i rewatch it i definitely owe that to you guys but anyway circling back to fourth of july this is a film let me read you the synopsis actually first of all it's a a recovering alcoholic and jazz pianist from new york city confronts his acerbic family during their annual fourth of july vacation acerbic i like that word i'm gonna have to use that as a word of the week within the sponsored newsletter that if you do not subscribe to you should because you don't know what you're missing jack sponsored.com forward slash subscribe where one of the five things that you get is a word of the week and stay tuned for the word acerbic which will be making its debut on the list acerbic means sour or severe sarcastic or cynical interesting it's definitely fitting to how they depict joe list's family within this movie now joe list for you guys that do not know i think i've spoken about him before on the podcast he's a stand-up comedian he's really funny he's a podcaster he has a podcast called tuesdays with stories which he co-hosts with mark norman another one of my favorite comedians right now he has another podcast which i haven't i've seen clips of actually but i haven't um haven't watched or listened to which is uh joe and renan talk movies i've definitely heard him i think but the first time i ever heard of joe list was on ari shafir's uh skeptic tank podcast same for for mark normand when, when ari did the move from like la to new york and then he started like having like all the new york comics like like on his podcast i got put on to a bunch of a bunch of comedians and it's dope is with ari's style of podcast especially because he does what i like to do when i have a guest on which is a deep dive into the guest and what it is that they do he has another podcast which i'm not sure if he still has it going but joe lists mindful metal jacket and he's been on rogan of course etc etc he has a, a special or two on youtube that you guys can check out i believe he has one on netflix as well if it's not a full one it's one of those like so and so presents or you know when there's like a cast of a bunch of comics doing like 15 minutes or, or half hour each i've definitely seen a special or two of his um on youtube this movie fourth of july is loosely but very closely based on his life he is a recovering alcoholic joe list he is not a jazz pianist <laughs> but well maybe he is shit i don't know on his spare time but he's a comic and i guess they use jazz pianist in new york because they kind of have like the same grind i would think you know just playing going club to club playing gigs you know it's a creative pursuit it's an artistic craft and it's something that didn't have to take center stage in the movie you know like what he did wasn't as important because the movie's about him confronting his demons and his family and what's wild is if you listen to some of joe's stories joe lists stories on you know podcasts that that he's been on like i mentioned before he'll tell you like the wild days of when he would just go on benders and be drinking and like black out and just be fucked up for days at a time wake up at different people's houses that he didn't know he tells this one hilarious yet sad story <laughs> of how he was like so drunk and fucked up and he's like at this chick's house that he hooked up with and he really had to take a shit but she had left to go to work and i'm probably butchering the story but i think it ends up with him shitting in her shoe or sneaker or something like that just because that's how like drunk and fucked up he was and then he just like left good thing this guy is sober right but yeah it was his first time writing something uh 
you know, movie based like screenplay, if I'm not mistaken. And if I'm not mistaken, it's also his first time acting. And I thought he did a, a tremendous job at both. Louis C.K. killed it directing. Um, it was kind of reminiscent to me of Horace and Pete. The way it was shot, I don't know what about it. Can't put my finger on it. But, or maybe maybe it is this. Uh, something I wrote down is that it felt like really intimate. And I don't know what technique it is, but you, you know what it reminds me of also a little bit? The way that the last season of the Aziz Ansari show... Fuck, I can't think of the name. Going to Italy is my favorite thing. Going to Italy is my favorite thing. Fuck. And the last the last season that was mainly Lena Waithe, uh, something in love. Fuck. Anyway, the way that last season was shot, which uh, Aziz directed, like that, like close up, lingering shots and stuff like that. I felt that way about this, 4th of July. And this was, again, like a traumatic story of joe list of his life and how he became sober came from a dysfunctional family a lot of which were alcoholics still and how he just was going to therapy louis ck plays his therapist and year after year his family has this fourth of july getaway vacation that they do and year after year he tries to build up the courage to like stand up to them and tell them yo i'm fucked up because of you guys and how you treat me and this and, and that were fucked up growing up, etc. But always bails and, and never actually follows through and says anything. And this movie shows, spoiler alert, the year that he actually does go through it and actually say something. And here are just some more random takeaways and moments that resonated with me throughout the film. One of which were was his dad. His dad's character to me was like an example of where Joe's life was headed if he kept bottling things up because his father was his mother was definitely like the matriarch of the family you know like the the shot caller and the father was a quiet pushover type that you felt in each scene that he was in he was about to say something or wants to say something he's like bursting on the inside but then ultimately just goes through that moment that i'm sure we're all familiar with from you know different points or times in our lives where we're at that point where we want to say something then we're just like ah fuck it what's the point and you internalize it and keep it inside so his father was like this character that had been that way his entire life and i felt that his father to joe was like a mirror of yo this is where you're going to become if you don't say something and i think they underscored it like that point that i'm trying to make you know and, and again this is like my opinion but i believe that they underscored it by showing how when Joe List would have like a panic or an anxiety attack, like there would be like a green hue on the screen. So you're like seeing things through Joe's eyes and everything looks like greenish. And when they showed things through the point of view, through the father's perspective, you kind of saw this like greenish hue as well at certain points. So I felt like that was showing like the father going through like anxiety attacks and dealing with the same shit that Joe was dealing with, just that he continued to bottle it up for his entire life. And the family was like, definitely dysfunctional each member of the family had like something fucked up with them aside from just the constant drinking and being alcoholics and the movie you know true to the folks making it being Joelist and louis ck and the myriad of comics like nick DiPaolo and bobby kelly that were in it it was dramatic and the content of the story were was very vulnerable and heavy 
but there were definitely moments of levity and these guys know how to make shit funny you know they're literal funny makers and it was really interesting how they managed to do that even like not just sprinkled throughout the whole movie but within specific scenes that were heavy like for example when joe again spoiler alert when joe list finally stands up to his family in the aftermath of it like the mother's like in a catatonic state you know being all dramatic and shit and his uncle which was like a year or two older than him so they like grew up kind of like best friends but he's technically his uncle um you know they had like this deep yet shallow heart to heart moment about what was going on and then he like ends it with come on man you have to talk to her you have to say something there's no food here because the mother was like the one that was like made the food and got everybody together etc so that was pretty funny and what was cool is that the dad there was a scene where i thought and i guess this was like purposeful like misdirection or a bit of a red herring here but there was a, a scene where the father was going to bed early while everybody was like still up like extra early you know they like they had just finished eating or something like that and they would usually like hang out and drink and then go to bed and he's like having a bit of an anxiety attack you see that like that greenish hue but then he's like he tells the wife oh i'm gonna go lay down she was like what you going to bed so early why are you okay you feeling all right he's like yeah yeah i'm okay i'm just going to bed then he goes to bed and you kind of see him like looking around at everybody and it's like he's like saying his goodbyes and i was like oh fuck he's gonna die he's gonna like die in his sleep or something and the movie's gonna take like this dark turn and that doesn't happen but what the dad does do is that he finally stands up to the mom in a way which is probably big for them in the dynamic of their relationship because you could tell that it was it was always like a what she said goes and he just you know dealt with shit type of, of relationship and he felt so badly about the son joe list you know blowing up at them and telling telling them off basically and like unloading years of like pent-up frustration and resentment and just like all his like anxiety and angst and issues like onto them that the father kind of stood up to the mom by not agreeing with her and telling her that she was wrong and not doing so in front of everybody you know just doing it in the intimacy of their own bedroom then you fast forward a bit and then there's a scene where like the mom is out of her like catatonic state or whatever and then she actually tells off joe list like how dare you i'm your mother and you think all these things about me and blah 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 and pretty much give like her side to the shit because there's always you know two sides right and joe list kind of like just takes it um but she like half-assed kind of sort of but not really apologizes but ju just by like acknowledging like the situation and then they all you know go on and continue their weekend and joe list thanks his dad he, he's on the phone he's like um distracted with some, with something probably with bobby kelly's character who was hilarious who was joe list's sponsee like bobby uh joe list was his sponsor in aa and bobby kelly would just like show up places like randomly <laughs> like on some stalker shit um he was either on the phone with him or with this girl but he stops to like thank and, and acknowledge that and just like tells him thank you because he somehow knew that he said had said something to the mother and then in the end spoiler alert again in a scene that i really liked i really appreciated he just like went up to his mom while she was uh setting the table and he just hugged her not expecting like a hug and return or anything but he like hugged her and then just kept it moving you know and it showed because the mom was like this tough love like 
kind of mother and was like, oh, what do you want? You crying? You want to feel loved? Whatever. Who puts food on the table for you? Who who put a roof over your head all those years? And blah, 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 blah. What do you want to fucking hug? You know, it's like that that type. Because when he initially complained to them, he was complaining about, you know, we don't show each other love and this and that. And all these like touchy feely emotional like type things. Right. So then at the end, it kind of like shows him. And again, this is my opinion, not projecting like that like those wants and desires of how he wanted his mother to act and like his family to act towards him, but rather just like accepting them for who they are and taking ownership of things and realizing that everything is not happening to him necessarily. People are just being who they are. And he also has a say in how he affects people and situations around him. Like by just, you want to hug? Go up to your mother and you hug her then. If she's not giving you that, you know, like you're part of that dynamic as well, like it or not. And I thought that was a, a dope full circle moment for Jolis character. And lastly, I'd say about the movie, definitely check out as well the deleted scenes, which were really good. Um, but the way Joe and Louie broke it down, it, they kind of they were either redundant or they didn't fit the tone of the movie. So they deleted the scenes, but like in and of themselves, like they're pretty cool scenes to see. And when you see them, you're like, yeah, this kind of didn't fit with the movie that I just watched. So it made sense. And it also gave me like an appreciation for for editing. Not that I didn't appreciate it before, but it's them describing it that way. And me seeing how those scenes didn't match up to the movie that I watched, like just gave me a better understanding of how editing could affect the project you know how they say in every movie for every movie that you watch there was those like three movies that were made like for example the first movie that was made was the movie that was written on paper the second movie that was made was the movie that was directed and the third movie that's made is the movie that gets edited in the editor's bay even though it's all the same movie you know different intentions different perspectives different things happen in each one of those different stages and lastly, what I really appreciated about the movie as well is that they used a ton of comics to act throughout. And I thought that was really cool. And obviously a testament to Joe List and Louis C.K. both being comics. And that is my little recap and review of the movie 4th of July, which is available now for you all to purchase and stream via louisck.com. I'll link to it in the episode notes so you guys can check it out. A Journal for Jordan was written by, and let me give a shout out to the writers here, because if I don't give a shout out to the writers here on the Spun Today podcast, who will? A Journal for Jordan was written by Virgil Williams. He wrote the screenplay, and it's based on the book by Dana Kennedy, which is based on the personal journal of Charles Monroe King because this movie is based on a true story. And Charles Monroe King is played by none other than Michael B. Jordan. My guy has come a long way since Wallace. Am I right? And the cherry on top, it's directed by none other than Denzel Washington. What a dope combination. And here is the official synopsis. First Sergeant Charles Monroe King before he was killed in action in Baghdad, authors a journal for his son intended to tell him how to live a decent life 
despite growing up without a father. Hence the title, A Journal for Jordan. Jordan is his son. Let me tell you a little bit about Dana Kennedy. She's an American journalist that worked at the New York Times for over 20 years. In 2001, she won a Pulitzer Prize for co-authoring a series called How Races Lived in America. Her segment in that series that won the Pulitzer Prize was called The Hurt Between the Lines, a newsroom divides after a healing series on race, which focused on the similar yet divergent paths of two award-winning columnists, one which was white and one which was black from the Akron Beacon Journal. She then wrote the memoir, A Journal for Jordan, A Story of Love and Honor, back in 2008. And this grew out of an essay that she wrote for the New York Times about the death of her fiance, United States Army First Sergeant Charles Monroe King, which died in the Iraq War. Her husband in the movie is played by Michael B. Jordan. And the way they depicted in the movie is that she... You know, she came from this military family. Her father was in the military and Michael B. Jordan came up under her father and really respected her father a lot. And her father, by the way, was played by Robert Wisdom and his character's name is Sergeant T.J. Kennedy. Robert Wisdom, better known as Howard Bunny Colvin or Major Bunny Colvin from The Wire. So you got Bunny Colvin and Wallace reuniting for this beautiful piece of work. And Dana grows up in this military family. You know, she's very independent. Her family's from the Midwest. She moves to New York. Her father knows that she's like very driven and strong-minded. And he kind of sort of makes it so that Charles Monroe King and her meet at this like family function get together. And they actually do wind up hitting it off. And long story short, they start a relationship. And throughout the movie, she's like somewhat reluctantly easing into this relationship and there's like this instant connection between the two you're definitely rooting for them and you were also kind of or at least i was skeptical at first about michael b jordan's character because he was kind of like too good to be true ish if that makes any sense like from her perspective he's like a, a good man seemed like a family man but he did have some like baby mama drama kind of because he had a, a kid with another woman that he's no longer with but he seemed like uber respectful and always said the right thing didn't seem to have like faults so she was understandably like guarded towards him he was nice and respectful to like all her friends all like everybody liked him basically and they make that case in point i believe with the door guy in her building the building that she lives in in new york when he comes to visit he becomes friendly with with the doorman you know because coming and going so much and he gives the doorman uh he brings the doorman a mets hat one day just because he had mentioned that you know he's a mets fan and he was just like that kind of dude you know he was very much so about his business though and by his business i mean war playing his position within the structure of the military that he was in and he was a even in that he was like the quintessential soldier led by example never asked his men to do anything that he wouldn't do was on the front lines even though he he was in in charge of like a full platoon uh, i believe is, is the correct terminology but don't kill me because i could be off to the point that actually uh to a fault you 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 could say because he missed the birth 
of his son because he chose to stay in battle because his men were still on the battlefield even though he could have gotten the reprieve to you know be there with his wife and kid when he was born so in my eyes that's a fault but we all make choices right i also can't pretend to even think that i understand the level of camaraderie that comes from sharing a battlefield with someone especially if you're in charge of those someones and you're sending them out to battle but um the movie was shot in an interesting way because it's a lot of flashback scenes so you see dana kennedy's character played by shante adams speaking with her son jordan played by jalen christian and him asking questions about his father and her telling him stories and then while telling those stories it flashes back to you know the point in time of that story so you find out how they met and then it flashes to the future where you know it shows her like alone without him but she has a kid from him then it flashes back again and you see some more stories of you know like them dating and you know progressing in their relationship then it flashes forward again and each time that it flashes forward and flashes back it's like you're getting like a bookend of the story like you know he's around at one point and then at one point he's not around and he's in the army and you expect that since it's called a journal for jordan that you know he dies or something tragic happens and each time it flashes back and forth it's like the walls of each side of those flashbacks are like closing in on what inevitably happened to charles king and in the story she's the one that gives him the journal she says you know while you're overseas and you're thinking about your son write to him and you know, just tell him what kind of man you are what you think about things what kind of man you want him to be and this is needless to say one of the like treasured possessions of the son of jordan and it's like riddled with like life lessons and perspectives from his father which he obviously doesn't have around anymore it's a beautiful story though beautiful beautiful tragedy as they say definitely made me want to bust out a couple journals for for my boys but um thankfully if they can bear listening to my voice they'll have at least a few hundred hours of my meanderings and perspectives and ideas and shit to listen to here on this podcast <laughs> all part of the plan right yeah dana had dana kennedy's character had these really great friends it's another takeaway i had from the movie in uh, miriam played by susan Porfar and Ciro or Cyro, not sure how to pronounce that, played by Gray Henson. And Charles King actually had prearranged with them and with the army that if something happened to him, if he died, that they would be notified first, her two closest friends, so that they can be there when the news was broken to her. And spoiler alert, that's what happened, you know, they walk in one day into the apartment and she's like you know oh you know what are you guys doing here then the phone rings and she's like hold on a second they have these like somber looks on their eyes and she gets the news on the phone that charles king and his men were driving in iraq and one of the cars either in front of him or behind him one of the um the humvees were blown up and the car he was in i believe flipped over and he comes out and you know he they were they were ambushed basically being shot at and he was shot and while he lay there on the floor dying and one of the other soldiers were you know, trying to to help him and revive him 
telling him to stay awake. He he just like reached into his pocket where he, he had a, a, a picture of his wife and kid and just stared at them until he drifted away into death. And Dana's getting this news on the phone while our friends are there. Um, again, for that purpose to be there when she gets this bad news and, you know, kind of be her shoulders to cry on. And then in the movie, as the son, Jordan, you know, he's, you know, more grown up now. He's like a young teenager and constantly, you know, like inquiring about his dad and asking questions and reading different passages in the journal and asking his mom to like fill in some blanks and stuff and asking about like the backstory to certain things that his father had written. Um, they take this trip to Arlington National Cemetery where deceased soldiers are buried, which, by the way, was something that was not factual from the movie. Um, the family actually opted to have Charles King uh, buried elsewhere, live closer to the family. But they, you know, obviously took creative license with that and showed him at Arlington National Cemetery because it is, again, known for being the final resting place of deceased uh, soldiers here in the U.S. in Washington. And the son, you know, wanted to take this trip to see where his dad is buried. And that's like the, the arc of the story, right? Like he's the mother's going back and telling him all these stories while they're like preparing for this trip. And unbeknownst to the mother, the son had reached out to all these different people that... Charles King, his father, whose lives he touched. There were a couple soldiers who, whose lives he saved by giving up his own. Uh, his grandparents were there, like the parents of of Dana Kennedy, the friends, her friends, Manny, the door guy, who is still rocking, by the way, the now dusty and older Mets cap. And the son joined them there so that uh, they can all visit together and ended it by reading a short passage from his father's journal, which I won't spoil for you guys because I want you to check out the movie. A Journal for Jordan, available now on Stars, And I believe you can also watch it on Amazon Prime. And I'm sure eventually it'll make his way through the gamut like a lot of movies usually do and wind up on HBO and then on Netflix and then here and there. You can always download it, but either way, definitely watch it highly recommend a journal for jordan check it out and that folks was episode 215 of the spun today podcast i really hope you enjoyed it hope you took some insights from it i hope you got to listen to a different perspective on either one of the things that i broke down whether it be one of the movies or the stand-up comedy and I hope you're enjoying the pod because I definitely enjoy putting it out there for your listening pleasure. Please stick around to listen to a few ways that you can help support the Sponsor Day podcast if you so choose. And I really hope that you do because it helps me keep the lights on. It helps free up time for me to write more and create more content and record more shows. Focus on putting out more clips on YouTube and Instagram and in really taking the steps towards building the show up to what I know it can be. So please stick around, listen to a few ways you can show your support and pick one or two of those ways to do just that. All right. Episode 215 in the books. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. 
you can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors in all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies, if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel, titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today, and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Sponsoday newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to sponsoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week, so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one.
If you want to help support the Sponsor Day podcast financially, you can do so by going to sponsorday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, sponsorday.com forward slash support. Click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find the five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.